Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Periodic Table, episode 46. If you want to buy some goats, hit me up. <laughs> Recorded January 24th, 2013, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Episode 46 is where we are, the Palladium episode. As anybody who's ever been a senior in an American high school and doesn't didn't have any money knows, palladium is a soft, a hard white metal used for making fake jewelry. Or was that just me? No, my, mine was fake as well. Yeah, my my uh, class ring is made out is it's somewhere around somewhere uh, made out of palladium. I think that was it was the palladium or there was the chrome vanadium. That was the step up. The chrome vanadium was the more expensive model. Mine, mine was a different one than either of those. I'm a few years older than you, so it was. What was what is mine called? It's not cubic zirconium, of course. It's uh, right. I can't think of it. But mine's around here somewhere. And uh, that mine was 14 karat white gold. 14 karat white. Wow, you had money. Well, my I'm parents impressed. did, and they wasted it on me. <laughs> and of course those voices you just heard are mr aaron former fat guy butler hiya aaron hello i've decided i'm going to change your name aaron it's no longer okay. former fat guy it's the marathon man <laughs> there's already somebody using that one out there so yeah actually there's somebody already using former fat guy too but i'm just yeah. i refuse to let him have it and uh yeah that <laughs> marathon man was also a terrible movie uh and also seth the gooey kid anderson hiya seth Hey everyone, and can my new name be Max Headroom? Max Headroom, that that works. Yes, it could. It Seth works. Headroom. <laughs> Seth Headroom, even better. It's, Lesser known brother. It's it, you're like minimum headroom, really, because you don't even have the bandwidth to be called Max minimum Headroom. headroom. Now that's funny. <laughs> oh, frame uh, rate Johnson. <laughs> frame rate. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, yeah, palladium is the the uh, element of choice tonight. See, I, I always wonder if people are listening to this show, like I posted on Facebook, and they're like, every week he comes on and he says, come join the period. Finally, I'm going to click on it. And then the first thing we do is talk about an element. They're like, what? I don't want to listen to the The show is not about elements. This is just a gag. All right? That's all there is to it. So um, here, here to conti- continue the gag is Random British Chick. As soon as I scroll over to the right, because the button was off. Now, random British, British chick. Palladium element 46 is a steel white metal. It does not tarnish in air and is the least dense and lowest melting of the platinum group metals. When annealed, it is soft and ductile. Cold working increases its strength and hardness. It is used in some watch springs. At room temperatures, the metal has the unusual property of absorbing up to 900 times its own volume of hydrogen. Hydrogen readily diffuses through heated palladium, and this provides a means of purifying the gas. So there you go. If you need to purify some hydrogen, you simply need to heat up some palladium. Where else are you going to find that piece of information? Only on this show. You're muted, Aaron. It's still true. It was true when you were muted. It's true now. That's exactly right. I had somebody say one one of my favorite things that I laugh about now. Um, they said something like, "He either will or will not be back." Yes. Later today, and I said, "I guarantee it." Yeah, I guarantee off. it. They, they had no idea what I meant. 
I like making statements like that because you're you're entirely right every time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I'm pr- proposing a solution to a problem, I like to say it'll either work or it won't. Let's find out. And then they're not. You're inspired. always right. That's right. I like being right. Uh, so Seth, Aaron, anything you'd like to say? Anything? Any uh, burning secrets you want to get off your chest before we jump right into the news stories? Um. Yeah, burning. No, mildly irritative. Yes. So I don't know if we have a. I have, I haven't looked through all the stories yet. So. Um, every once in a while we do talk about an actual subject on the show that's beyond Florida or people choking goats or things like that. So I'm just curious if you had any thoughts, gentlemen, on women in combat. All right. Well, I will say, (laughs) no, I personally, you know, I mean, I'm all for equality of the sexes and all that, but I know that when you're fighting a war that mindset that you have not that i know from experience but i just don't see how it is a good idea to put women in harm's way unless we're going to have like all of the men go over there and fight all their men and all the women go over there and fight all their women because prisoners in like battlefield <laughs> yeah you know it's like okay oh there's a woman got to tag out and let the women come because otherwise it's going to be you know, what's the other side going to do with women prisoners of war? Yeah, well, I used to think, um, it's interesting, that's an interesting question, Aaron, I, I, because my opinion about it has very recently changed. Uh, I used to be against uh, women in combat for sort of the same reasons uh, that Aaron said. It's not, uh, did you see oh, the movie G.I. Jane? No, Seth said, right. Did you see the movie G.I. Jane? Uh, I did, I saw the yes. poster. Yeah. And well, there's a scene in there where her superior officer basically tries to rape her, and he says, uh, "It's not you, meaning women. It's us. We can't be trusted around women." Um, and and you know, there's there's I, I never had an issue with women being the weaker sex. I, they they don't have to fight. So much of war today is mechanized anyway. Uh, I don't, I think the you know the the ground troop trooper you know in a foxhole is is you know a, a bygone era that unless we nuke ourselves back to the stone age will never happen again so women are equally capable uh but i always just felt that that protectiveness of them you know they, they shouldn't be exposed to that um but recently i did some i was doing some some studies just because i'm a geek and it's what i do about ancient warring uh cultures um the romans and even even the pre-roman empires the germanic uh tribes of western europe and uh they their their te- techniques often included the women and in fact uh, some of the early like pre-barbarian tribes the entire tribe would go into battle women and children first and the women or women and children included the men would go first and the women would go behind them not necessarily fighting but yelling at the men saying i'm going to get raped if you don't kill those people in front of me if you care about me you will fight hard they were cheerleaders right and if um if the men retreated the women would kill them because then they could ingratiate favor toward the enemy you know i'm on your side now so it was a very effective battle strategy so the men they were very motivated to fight because they were fighting literally for their entire family because their family was there and then if if they got routed and turned and ran 
they knew that they were not going to run back to uh, a loving woman who would heal their wounds and sing them lullabies. There's no journey song, that's for sure. Right. So uh, I, I think that, uh, that it's a, there's a long history of women in combat, and for us to say that we have evolved beyond that is kind of stupid because war is anything but evolved. Yeah. Well, I actually don't have a super strong opinion one way or the other. Um, I have two, two comments, if I may. One, uh, if a woman's going to be an infantry person, um, which would be, because the, the one scenario, Mark, that, that the mechanized thing doesn't take into account as much is the large amount of urban warfare that we do now around right. the world, where it does take um, uh, troops. She's got to, I don't think there should be a different standard for a woman that's going into that kind of combat for men because I might need that 150-pound woman to drag that 215-pound Marine out of the street. And she's got to physically be able to do that. And so I'm, I'm, I, as long as she can do that, I'm okay with that part of it. So I'm not worried about that part of it. I'm actually more worried about when they're not fighting. Because personally, my nephew, Travis, is married to his wife, Molly, and they're both awesome. And they met when they were both stationed in Iraq uh, on a tour of duty because they were both air traffic controllers. He's an air traffic controller for the Marine. She's one for the Navy. And they were stationed in the same tower um, doing air traffic control for a year. And like so often happens, people fall in love with the people they work with, people they go to school with, people they go to church with. And so what you end up with uh, in the downtimes, because when you're in battle, most of the time it's not, you know, 37 straight days, unless you're a special ops person, of being in battle. You're stationed in war, but you're waiting to fight or fighting one day and three days off and things like that. And um, so they purposely don't have couples that are married uh, in situations together, like in the same platoon and those kind of things, because then the idea of I'm a, I'm a soldier, I've been trained, I can look at my fellow Marine, whether they be a woman or a man, and treat them equally in battle, goes out the window when it's your girlfriend or your wife or your lover, um, regardless of any kind of training. And so my, more, my concern is that more of like the, uh, the, um, the, the air raid goes off and, and Sergeant Johnson and, and Sergeant Jankowitz are in the tent together um, you know, type thing when they should be sleeping or something like that. I'm more worried about the fraternizing and the possible breakdowns of uh, issues. And then, then you have the thing where they, they, they hook up, quote unquote, to use a, a 2010 term, and then they break up in the same tour. So now they're mad at each other. And you have, even if it's just little things, it just it adds an extra variable, another thing to worry about, one more issue to deal with, and an already super high tense, high stress volatile dangerous situation so i say unless we have a shortage of 18 19 20 year old men who want to go fight and we actually have to have women to fill infantry slots why do it that's my take on it all right but uh i i could argue with some of those points like the the looking at one soldier is more important than the other happens between same sex soldiers as well you know, if it was an well, all, to, you know, but to a different degree, if you and I and and a third person that you didn't know were together, you would be more likely. You hopefully, knowing our relationship, it would be, um, you know, you would tend. to, I'm going to save Aaron first if it's kind of you know apples and oranges, or maybe apples and and slightly larger apples. But if it was me and you and Barbie, your wife, it would be right. like, sorry, Aaron, that's my wife. Right. <laughs> no questions about it. Sorry. 
And and uh, wouldn't you be okay with that? Yes, and that's that's what I'm saying. That's it. That's not an issue to me. That's right. just why introduce that. Yeah. Why even have an opportunity for that to happen? I, I do think uh, you're right. It complicates things because unnecessarily, you know, right? Uh, like I was talking about the ancient warring peoples. Um, their entire culture were different, so we can't look at their warfare and say that would work for us when the rest of their culture doesn't work for us. Yeah. Well, the 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 other issue, the thing you think about, I mean, it's it's dozens of hot ripped soldiery guys wearing uniforms and equally hot and ripped soldierly girls wearing uniforms i mean let's just take a whole bunch of really attractive people <laughs> isolate them from the rest of the world and have them live in the same tent for nine months right. 22 years old at the peak of their sexual pride yeah exactly yeah i can't I, go wrong yeah and and then you got to deal with battle babies right right and that's a whole different issue do you have a pediatrician in camp you know uh, i don't know interesting i just don't see it's, it's to me it's a it's a it's a um the 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 reward of making things more quote unquote equal for women is not equal to the risk and the complications and and i just don't see it it's not to me it's just like uh, I, i'm i'm more of a why right why well so they can be equal okay that that's the only reason okay got, fine they can go they can go in battle they're equal everybody's happy I want to have a baby. It's my right. I want to be equal. Sorry. That's a whole that's a whole biological thing. That's a whole different story. Okay. And speaking of goats, <laughs> didn't have any way to get from that to the other. Uh, uh just a quick word, uh almost every story tonight was sent to me uh by longtime listener and friend of the show Jim Beeson. He sent me a a, a long list of of links and usually, I mean, I get these. I get them from lots of people throughout the week. And I click through them, and I think, oh, that's a good one. And, okay, that one, I don't really think I want to work with that one. Or this one's just okay. Or, or this one's good, but I'll see if there's something better. Everyone in his email was gold. I think we've got 15, uh, 14, 15 shows, uh, topics on the show tonight. He sent me a list of like 17. So I threw out a couple of them, and that was it. So thanks, Jim, for doing my job for me. Uh, we have a long history on the show of, of goats. We do. Uh, I don't know why, but that seems to be the way it has worked out. Um, and I raise goats, so there you go. Yeah, you raise goats? Is that what you said? Yes. Yes. Our little oh, uh, tax deductions. Seth is like the phantom of the opera. He's up in the in the <laughs> little tax deductions. Okay. He's up in the balcony somewhere. We, we, we're not really sure he's there. We never see him, and every now and then we hear a faint echo of him over his extremely limited bandwidth. Um, a flower-eating goat named Gary. Because if you have a goat, naturally, Gary's what you're going to call him, right? So that's the ghost, ghost of bandwidth past. <laughs> In, uh, we have just, a male goat named Billy, if that helps. Well, of course. I mean, Billy, goat, that's a given, right? You got to have your Billy and your Gary yes. and, and then maybe a Gus. Um, I've never seen a goat named Gerald, though, just for the record. There's a show title. Never seen a goat named Gerald. Somebody write that down. I'll write it down. I'll type it. Is that okay? Yeah. Jim's not here. So who's going to keep up with all of our show notes? Georgia mom. Georgia. Okay. Somebody's got to do that. So uh, anyway, um, Jim Derzalnolds, uh was ordered to pay a 440 US dollar, excuse me, Australian dollar fine after his goat Gary was spotted snacking on a flower bed outside uh, the Sydney... Museum of Contemporary Art. 
Now, there's all kinds of things wrong with that statement. Why? Why was the goat in Sydney? And why was he eating flowers? I mean, if you're going to take your goat to the big city, wouldn't you bring a snack? Um, but the judge, however, uh, dismissed the case, ruling that neither Gary nor his owner could be held accountable for the crime. He said there was no evidence uh, that Gary, who had his own lawyer, yes, the goat had his own lawyer, had been brought there to intentionally eat the flower. So since there was no intent, there was no crime. This is actually, That's funny. this is what the judge said. Uh, I'm sorry, not the judge. Um, the uh, owner of the goat. This is actually an abuse of the laws of nature. I mean, it was a goat eating grass. I'm a comedian. Oh, that's that's why I had a goat. I come up with jokes, but it's pretty hard to compete with cops coming around coming up with this stuff. It's obviously a joke, but the fact is here it's gone a bit beyond a joke. So 440 Australian dollars for eating some flowers in the Sydney outside the Sydney Museum of Modern Art. That's funny. But the judge of, oh, go ahead. The judge ruled it a natural act with no ill intent. Speaking of uh, a strange diet of flowers for an animal, I saw a thing on Facebook that I thought was fairly humorous. It was one of those wonderful um, text pictures that they put, you know, the e-card thing. Right. But being the former fat guy, I I got a laugh out of it, so I've got it here in front of me. I'm going to read it real fast. Dear diet, things just aren't going to work between us. It's not me. It's you. You're tasteless, boring, and I can't stop cheating on you. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That was fairly clever. So, uh, let, me get, let me get you a segue. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to get you a no, segue. No, I got you a good one. You, you I, I, got, one. I, I got one. Uh, man, I could go for a pizza right now. <laughs> I had a better transition. Oh, a okay. diet that yours. wouldn't be bothersome oh, would be a diet full of pizza. And this next show, I think, actually should be a commercial because um, I think it would be a good commercial. Uh, in uh, Helena, um, Montana, I believe. Uh huh. Um, uh, a would-be thief uh, broke into, or didn't re- break into, but walked into a uh, local Papa John's pizza and demanded money from the cashier. And uh, and then he broke down crying. Um, and he said that uh, he, he needed the money for his wife and his kids. And then <laughs> the the article says, quote, the clerk talked to him for a while and then decided the man, what he really needed was some pizza, wings, and soda to go so behold the power of pizza a man walks in intent to rob instead he says you know what i'll take a large pizza 10 piece wings and a two liter bottle of soda to go please the 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 so then i was wondering as i was reading the article did the guy just let him go and then tell the story or did he call the cops and, of he course, says, being the sane person that he is, he, he called, he the, called cops. the cops. Yeah. Said, While the man was sitting and waiting for the food, a large knife fell out of his pocket. I don't, no, no indication of whether he picked it up or just left it there. The man took the food and drink and left the area on foot, um, heading east, in case you were wondering. Uh, man, I, was, I was thinking to myself, which way did he go? Yeah. The Papa John's manager said he couldn't comment on the matter. Um <laughs> they said they're not sure if they locate him if they'll be charged with a crime because technically he didn't commit a crime 
but they don't really want him doing this again either. Um, yeah, it depends on the note. Because right. it said he entered with a red bandana cover on his face and gave him a note demanding money. So if it said, I have a gun, I have a knife, or, or I'll kill you. But if it just said, hey, I really want all your money. Right. <laughs> I don't know if it's a crime to tell somebody they want, you want their money. I don't know. I mean, if there's no threat of intent uh, and he didn't brandish a weapon. Of course, and, the note might have said extra large pepperoni with double cheese. Right. The The, the article in the uh, Helena Independent Republic is a bit vague. Excuse me, Independent have, Record. I'll have to talk to that Sanjay Talwani. I'm not <laughs> sure about his, uh, his report. Sanjay, Sanjay, Sanjay. Uh, this next article comes from, from my home, new home state. Are you uh, broke up over, Mark? Oh, my new home. <laughs> <laughs> my my new adopted home state of Georgia. Uh, and I will say, I, I don't know about Georgia in general, because I haven't seen a lot of it, but here in Atlanta, I have seen more personalized license plates than I ever saw in Texas. It's like every other car has a personalized license plate. In fact, I have a personalized license plate. And what does it say, Mark? It says, I am Opie. And every day, not every day, but at least once a week, somebody asks me what it means. And now oh, I'm wow. regretting I made that choice because I have to say, well, it's kind of a long story. It's an inside joke that nobody gets. And then I have to explain to him that I own a media company called Element OP Productions. Then I have to explain to him why it's called Element OP Productions. And then I talk about a show called The Periodic Table where we don't talk about chemistry. And then it just, you know, turns it out that down. I'm not yeah. very good at naming things. <laughs> so anyway, in, uh, in Atlanta, um, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution... The, the paper of record here in Atlanta published a story uh, about the state's arbitrary approval process for vanity licenses. Um, and it, it gives some great examples here. Uh, the state approved the license plate haters, but denied the license plate haters won. They approved the license plate black beauty, but denied black ace. Um, they, uh, the suit was, the, the whole thing was brought by a man who tried three different license plates. Uh, first one was for gay lib. The next one was gay power, PWR. And the last one was gay guy. And all three of them were on a list. Apparently there's a list somewhere of, uh, of things you can't have. Uh, on the approved list, rebel yell, reb yell. The denied list, I'm a tex. As a Texan, I uh, disapprove of that. Um, approved beer man. Denied beer run. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, approved Dr. Bible. Denied Bible. And so there's a, a fairly lengthy article about it explaining that it seems to be just relatively arbitrary. And as soon as the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, posted this uh, or published this, like that same day, Two independent shark chasing, I mean, uh, lawyers um, filed suit against the state of Atlanta for uh, discrimination and abridgment of free speech, which begs the question, is a license plate speech? It is, a, it is literally a piece of state property. The state owns that, right? It's something that, that you're required to get. Um, so is that free speech? It's a, I, I consider that a privilege that we, they'd let me pick my numbers. Um, I don't know. That's, well, that's not that's speech technically, anyway, well, is it? Because it's print. 
Well, it's been ruled many times that <laughs> print know. is speech. I know. Because then what about but the person the thing who can't is, talk? If you, allow me, if you allow me to choose something, why can't somebody else choose something? So, you know, that's well, the whole point of the lawsuit is, hey, you let him choose something. What makes what he chose right and what I chose wrong? So it's discrimination, not anti-free speech. They just I filed would, it wrong. I wouldn't call it discrimination. I would call it bad documentation. You know, if there was a clear uh, evidence or, or, or indication of why some things are legal or some things aren't, I mean, the state has the right to make those sort of unilateral decisions. That's one of the privileges that governments are enjoy. They can make unilateral decisions without asking permission. They can also well, be voted out of office, right? But in the time that they're in office, they can do what they want pretty much. What's funny is um, uh, this guy Weber, who was the formal legal director for the ACLU of Georgia, argues this is a serious problem. Yeah. And, you know, it's because really these license plates are one of the primary way Georgians use free speech. Not many Georgians go to rallies, but thousands of Georgians express themselves through these license plates. They're making, you know, they're making serious statements with these license plates like Black Cherry yeah. and Beer Man. And uh, I am Opie. I'm just saying, it's so funny. He, he's, he, how's the air up there on that high horse? Sir, yeah. just checking in while you're there. Yeah, I, I mean, really, do, do Atlantans really just sit around saying, man, if only there was some way I could express myself. I know a license plate. Exactly. You know, I, I, I'm not going to write a blog or uh, make an article or even stand on the street corner and yell, no, no, I'm going to get a license plate with seven characters. And with those seven characters, I'm going to change the world. I'm as long as the lie. license plate doesn't say fresh and they don't have dice in the mirror, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm going to get L-I-S-N-S-X. License sucks. <laughs> like that and just put it right back to the license plate people that's what i'm going to do i'm going to show them because that's the kind of thing i do because that's the way i express myself i don't go to rallies yeah that's right <laughs> but i mean I, I i wonder about that though what is what is the deal with georgians or at least atlantans in their in their personalized license plate are they cheaper i don't know i never asked in texas um uh, i think i think it's just one of those things where it just happened in and texas they cost more and everybody wants one yeah What'd you say, Seth? In, in Texas, Texas you pay for the privilege of having. Well, a you do a, a in Texas plate. too. It's it's like thirty dollars for a regular one or fifty for a vanity. It's not a lot. Um, uh, I think in Texas it's considerably more. I don't. I'm not sure. I never, like I said, I never asked. But uh, I, I just think that's interesting that uh, it's 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 much more prevalent than I see here. And now I understand why, because it's the way Atlantans express their right to free speech i didn't understand not just atlantans of all, all georgians apparently according yes. to weber there yeah, i didn't well, realize what a is, serious it's, issue it's about 10 percent apparently get banned based on the numbers that the ajc pulled Ten thousand two hundred fourteen banned ninety one thousand one hundred fifty one accepted so of the hundred thousand uh uh vanity plates that have been applied for there's no, many, there's no telling how many times Black Cherry's been applied for. It could have been applied for a bunch of times. <laughs> that's true. That's when once, it, once it's on the list, it just keeps getting banned over and over. Right. You know, that's probably asked for 15 times a day. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm done with that story because that's and just weird. And scene. 
You know that old joke, why are you banging your head against the wall? Because it feels so good when I stop. I imagine this fellow... I've never heard that one. You've never heard that one? I imagine this fellow in China would sort of have the same response. Uh, Wang Zhang Zhang um, of Beijing, China. And I have to read the punt, uh, the pint, uh, pun, even though it's a painful pun. Is His talent is an eyeful. The man figured out at some point along the line that he could put a hook inside his eyelid and hang stuff from it. Currently, he uh, is able to hang two 4.5-pound buckets of water, one from each eyelid. He puts a hook. Let me, oh let me say this again. He puts a hook in his eyelid, the, the bottom part of his eyelid. And hangs heavy stuff off of it. But Mark, when he first started, he says it was extremely painful. Right. But after a lot of practice, it's just uncomfortable right. today. Why would a man do such a thing, you might ask? Well, for the most obvious reason of all, he was bored. <laughs> That's all he had. Um, it's like the first person they had a chi- an egg. You know, it's like, hey, look at that thing that just fell out of that chicken's butt. Let's eat it. <laughs> yeah, I doubt well, he was bored. He was starving. It. Yeah, but... Uh, uh, he says he, uh, he, his plan is to uh, to up it to 11 pounds per eyelid. He's really working out. He says he practices a half an hour in the morning and two hours every night. So he's putting in two and a half times seven. If my math was good, that would be great, but it's not. So it's 14, 17 and a half hours a week that he does, that he hangs stuff from his eyes. Well, you know, I want to see him actually do some some reps if he can blink and make his eyelid come up or it's not just hanging <laughs> static then that's something if he can do reps i'll be impressed it could be an olympic sport before long could so be. curling just, is just <laughs> there's a show title curling is so uh picture this you're sitting at home bored and you think you know i'm gonna stick this hook in my eye nah yeah. that didn't do it I'm going to hang something off of the hook. Holy crap, that hurts. Let me try it again. That's sort of the, the, the way this had to have gone. At first, it was very painful, but I kept practicing. Why would you keep practicing? It's like when people tell me that beer is an acquired taste. If I don't like it, why do I want to acquire it? Why do I right. want to acquire the ability to hang hooks from my eyes? Well, Because all the cool if, kids are doing it. <laughs> well, at least one of them is. What if you're bored? And you've tried hanging hooks from your eyes, and, and that turns out to not be the thing to ruin your boredom. But you, so you're looking for something to do, but, and all you got maybe is like a bunch of rolls of pennies. You just look around, and you see, I've got a jar of spare change there. And you know what? That change is kind of shiny. I bet it would look good if I glued it to the floor. Hmm. I got nothing. Um, that was good. But uh, Ryan Lange and Emily Belden, uh, a uh, cohabitating couple, um, in some place who I've forgotten where Chicago, uh, in the South Loop of Chicago. There we go. Um, tiled their entire floor with pennies, roughly sixty thousand pennies in their bedroom floor. I gotta say, it looks pretty darn awesome. It does. But they were stupid when they did it because one of the pennies they tiled was a steel penny. And there was another one that was an 1800. They could have paid for the floor with one of those pennies. Right. And had money left over. So, I mean, 
oh, they're so cool and chic, but no, they're a bunch of idiots because they wasted their money. But see, so that, time, that, that penny will always be there. It's a savings account, Seth. But they did you? They buffed it down and ruined the value of it. Well, they did buff the patina off of it. You're right. So they they put the they glued the pennies down with uh, basically mastic uh, or caulk or what's the word grout, um, and then they they buffed it to a shine, and then they put a, a clear coat over it so it's durable and it's it's a floor now. I bet it feels weird to stand on with bare feet, uh, but roughly uh, an estimated. I love this. Estimated 5,670, excuse me, 59,670. That's a pretty good estimate. That sounds almost like an exact number. Um, yeah. Uh, pennies. What's, what's, what's funny is um, they've turned it into a, a fun party game where they challenge them, their friends to try to find the two rare coins. And then right. she says, a friend pointed out that thousands of people have now seen the inside of my bedroom, which kind of creeps me out a bit. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a blog at thepennyfloor.com. Where you can see videos and pictures of the bed, uh, of the floor. Uh, basically, they started, it was, they were bored and they had some change and they thought that change is kind of pretty. And then didn't it have became, any eye hooks. yeah, it didn't have any eye hooks laying around. And then they thought it was, um, uh, you know, a fun little, it was a, a togetherness sort of thing. It was a thing for you. But my favorite, one of my favorite lines is about halfway through, we were over it, <laughs> but decided to finish it out anyway. Some interesting facts about the Penny Four. The oldest penny used was an 1873 Indian head penny. There's a 1944 steel penny. There's 128 total man hours it took to lay the pennies. Um, it really does look cool. Yeah. Total cost. Be, I was going to say, that'd be cool to do a wall like that, like a little accent yeah. wall. Total cost per square foot, $2.55. Roughly six hundred dollars worth of pennies, and then the the clear code and all that. So it probably would have been cheaper to lay parquet floors. <laughs> yeah, I found you know, um, a penny. A penny laid is a penny ahead. earned. I found a really uh yeah cool tile the other day. It's I saw it on a show. I'd never seen it before at like Home Depot or somewhere, and then we actually saw it in Home Depot, and it's. It's a ceramic tile that looks, at first glance, like hardwood floor. Um, it doesn't really, really look like hardwood. I mean, you have to, if you look at it all, it's obviously it's ceramic, but it's long. It's the, it's the shape of hardwood, and they're usually wooden tones, and it looks really cool on the floor. It looks like a glossy hardwood floor. It's really neat. Um, we, we, laid, may, we, we may do that. We laid a similar tile in uh, in Texas uh, in the house that we moved out of when we were fixing it up. It's actually like a vinyl uh, covering that comes in sheets, but it looks like wood. It doesn't feel like wood, but it looks like right. wood. So if you're um, in the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, or is it South Carolina? North Carolina. Could be Fayetteville, so, Georgia. No, it's it's one of the Carolinas, and I've already forgotten which. If you're in the Fayetteville area, and you need some cash, and there's not a Papa John's nearby that you can rob, um, one solution might be, if you're an enterprising man with, with tools, one solution might be to break into a, um, a gym and steal the TVs um, and uh, things like man. that that they might have hanging around the wall. And that's what happened in Cumberland County. Uh, someone broke into the 360 Elite Baseball Academy 
and uh, stole several TVs, a computer, baseball uniforms, batting gloves, and titanium sports teams' necklaces. So, you know, all in all, they got off with quite a bit of stuff. Uh Um, And they must have felt bad about it. Sort of. They wrote a a note before they left that said, Sorry about the mess and the drywall damage. I think what you're doing here is a good thing. Sorry about the mess, not about all the stuff I stole. I'm okay with that. I just wish I had been neater when I stole all your stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it's okay because he said he was sorry, so therefore he's forgiven and all is well, and he doesn't have to pay anything back because he was truly sorry. Maybe it was a goat because goats, we now know, have immunity from the law. Well, because they don't have intent. That's right. They don't want to. I uh, had, uh, there was a brief stint in high school where I drove my dad's North Carolina Chevy. By the way. Say what? North Carolina. I had to get that out there. I got you. I had a brief stint in high school. I drove my dad's 57 Chevy, and I'd put a stereo in it, And but, you know, my dad wasn't too keen on me cutting speaker holes in the back, you know, uh, whatever you call that area, back on the back uh, window. The package tray. Okay. And um, so I had a speaker box that I had built. So I came out of, of school one day, and somebody had stolen my speaker box. Um, they had kindly just unplugged the wires. They had opened the case up. <laughs> the speaker, it was a custom case. Pulled the back of it off, undone the wire, and undid the wires. So I got in the car and I turned my radio on. Nothing happened. I looked back there and there's the wires just sitting there, clips still on them and everything. I was like, oh, at least they didn't damage anything. <laughs> it was nice. They were considered Very about it. Did they write a note that said sorry about the mess? No, they didn't. No. I wish they would have though. That'd have been that'd have been funny. I once had uh, one of those detachable face plates on my stereo. You know, they were popular for a while. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and somebody broke into my car, and when they saw that there was a tattoo, that I had taken the faceplate off, and that the stereo wouldn't do them any good, they decided that if they couldn't have it, nobody could have it. So they jammed what looked like a crowbar into the stereo and just broke it into pieces, and then broke my window. Actually, they broke the window to get in, then broke nice. the stereo, and then left. So you know it was really good because I still have the faceplate and it's in great shape, pristine condition. <laughs> I called they, them. They, they don't even know that says, uh, we don't think you're doing good work here. If you had drywall, we'd have busted it too. No, like there was no note. I called oh. the police and they were like, mm, yeah, we're going to get right on that. Uh, not so much. So, you know, throughout American's history, we have looked to Europe to guide us. In fact, we, we are all yeah. descendants of the motherland, the great United Kingdom. And um, I think it's true today, uh, as well as as in history. We look to the to the UK for guidance on on the proper way to do many things. I mean, we we pretty much stole our entire government system from them with some heavy modifications by John Locke and his crew. And uh, and now the um, the UK has a new paragon for us to look forward to: the perfect uh, young mother. Uh, and her name is Serena Curtis. She's thirty one years old. And uh, she was uh, enjoying a night of drinking with her friend Jade Dickerson when she decided it would be a good idea to shove herself into her little boy's high chair. She wedged herself into the seat and couldn't get out. I love this. Now, you got to understand, this is not uh, American English. 
Um, Mom of three, Serena, then decided to sit in her boy's high chair, wedged herself into the seat. She and Jade, 27, struggled for an hour to get her out, with Serena even stopping for a fag break. In case you don't know, fag there means cigarette. But it it evokes such interesting imagery. Like a, a, a flamboyant fellow came in, they had a little conversation about uh, wall tr- hanging uh, treatments, and then they went back to trying to get her out of the high chair. And I love the fact that they took a picture of her during the break. Oh, so, not, you know, not, on, the, the whole thing is documented. There are lots of pictures of it. Well, I'm just saying that she's, there's a picture in the article. The very first picture is her laying flat out on the kitchen floor with a chair on her right. with a cigarette in her Dragging hand. Dragging a fag. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I can say that and be totally okay because that's what they say. So eventually they did what any reasonable person would do when you find yourself stuck and I, I know the last time I found myself stuck in a high chair, the only logical thing to do with a fag in my hand, the only logical thing to do was to call the the fire department. Yes, the fire department. That's that's who you call in England. But she's okay. She was saved from some embarrassment because the back of the high chair was covering her face while they were cutting her out of it. That's actually what she said. That oh, young people these days. <laughs> you you guess you gotta go to the show notes. You gotta look at the pictures. <laughs> they documented the whole thing. Um <laughs> it's just it's just so bizarre. So thank you, uh United Kingdom, for carrying the torch once again of of how we should all live. Another thing that they're fond of there in Europe is their cheeses. I love cheese. If you've ever watched, Mark, if you had to give up one bacon or cheese, you'd pick up, you'd give up bacon. I would, I would choose cheese over bacon. Yes. Because, uh, you know, bacon, there are facsimiles to bacon. There's wow. satay, which is an entirely a uh, plant-based product. There's Turkey bacon there. There are alternatives wow. to bacon that are, they're of course, obviously not the same, but you can get by with them. But cheese, there's just no substitute for cheese. I can't get by with turkey bacon, Mark. It kills me. Well, literally, yeah, in your yeah. case. But yeah, I, I would have to say cheese, too. Well, let's do an entire show of presenting each other with two choices, and you have to give one of them up for a year. Which one will it be? Okay. Do an entire oh, show of that, right. an hour of that. So if you had to give up doing an entire show about doing an entire show about that for a year, or something else it was it was half a witty joke it was almost there uh, root canal <laughs> but turning back to the bbc uh, excuse me to to the brits uh, a bbc reports that uh in uh, northern uh norway in tysfjord norway a truckload of cheese caught fire now this is no ordinary truckload of cheese this was 30 tons of goat cheese now, I have to interrupt, Mark, because uh, one of our, our listeners, Magi Obi-Wan, in the chat room said, right when you said um, <laughs> that caught on fire, he said, my sister did that once. And that just sounded like a really interesting story. I suspect that's a bit of a, a lag of the, uh, the Oh, got stuck stream. in a chair. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Go ahead. The sister set a truckload of cheese on fire. She went to jail for arson. Arsony. Arson. Arson. Uh, yeah. Anyway. um so the the truck was in a tunnel and caught on fire. 
No one knows why. Um, but it burned so badly that it damaged the, the, the bridge. But they don't know how badly the bridge is damaged because they can't go in because the fire was still raging as of the time um, of the article was written. So clearly this was no ordinary cheese. A sweet Norwegian delicacy named Brunost, a brown caramelized cheese made from goat's milk, was to blame for the ferocity of the fire. It's Brunost, is that what you said? Yes. Bruno yeah, used to beat me up in junior high. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then somebody asked the question, how does, how does cheese burn? Well, here's a, here's a newsflash. You might not know this. All food is flammable. And in fact, calorie is a measure of heat. So there's your science. I'm dropping some science on you, yo. Yeah, one calorie is the heat required to raise one millimeter cubed of water one degree Celsius. A kilocalorie is, I yeah, think. Yeah, kilocalorie. Technically, technically, what we call a calorie is 1,000 calories. Yeah. So how's that make you feel? If you think you ate uh, 3,000 calories a day, you actually ate 3 million calories today. Wow. No wonder I'm bloated. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder I'm bloated. Show title. Um, so the police officer- uh, I was trying to figure out how to work that in all night. Vigo Berg told the BBC that the high concentration of fat and sugar in Bruno's cheese- makes it burn almost like petrol if it gets hot enough. So it could literally um, spontaneously combust. And because it's a, a, it basically a grease fire, you can't put it out with water. High content of fat and sugar. I'm going to have to try me some of this cheese. That sounds <laughs> awesome. It sounds good. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a sweet cheese, and if you don't like it, you could always use it for candles. It's, Those are it's, his condolence cheeses. <laughs> it's a really versatile sort of thing. Um, we had to have some Florida in this show. In this show. So we're going to uh, Alvaro Francisco in Collier Florida. County, Florida. 26-year-old man was uh, slightly inebriated, um, as evidenced. Uh, I love how uh, police have to, to hedge their bets like that. Slurred speech and the smell of alcohol. Therefore, we suspect maybe he was drunk. 26-year-old man was arrested after he uh, called 911 multiple times saying that he needed a ride to Mexico. Uh, that's a reasonable reason to call the police. Right? If you can call the fire department to cut you out of a high chair, yeah. why can't you call the police to give you a ride to Mexico? That's one of my favorite Stephen Wright jokes. You know, the other day, I lost one of my socks. I couldn't find it, so finally I called information, and they said, look behind the couch. <laughs> in all he called about 10 times uh in each time he was told sir this is not an emergency um and finally they told him if you call again we will send a police car and you will get a ride but not to mexico Uh and he called again uh Frisco, quote, appeared to be slightly intoxicated with somewhat slurred speech i don't know by the time you get to slurred speech i would call that intoxicated um, he faces a charge of misuse of 911, uh, and he's being held on a $2,000 bond for misdemeanor. And he still didn't get to Mexico. Well, you Maybe know, they could have just told him he went to Mexico and write it off as like a travel bill, and they wouldn't have had to go through all the jail. He would have been too drunk to know. <laughs> so if you're, um, if you're a Mexican living in Florida... And you get drunk, you you know it's a crime. Well, not actually uh, b- being drunk is a crime, 
But if you're in Dublin and you get drunk, it's pretty much expected in Dublin, Ireland. Um, and the councilman uh, in Kerry, Southwest Ireland, um, passed a motion this week asking the government to create a permit that would allow isolated farmers the ability to drink a few pints and then return home in their car or on their tractor without the fear of being busted. Their argument? Ireland is too boring to be sober. Sober. Crazy. <laughs> Says a generation ago, drunken driving was commonplace in Ireland. Ireland and even the smallest villages or forlorn crossroads featured a pub. But in this century, the country has steadily improved road safety standards, the bastards, including mandatory driving tests, blood and breath tests, and above all, penalty point system that removes the license from dangerous drivers, particularly drunks. How dare they do such things? <laughs> Well, you know, I just don't know that that would work here in the United States. (laughs) We have cars that go faster than six miles an hour. (laughs) And we don't ride on on, uh, on tractors on a regular basis. I have. Well, you know, know, like in Nevada, prostitution is legal, but only in counties under a certain population. So maybe that could be legal in counties with under either under so many people or more than so many sheep, you know, then it would be okay. <laughs> I'm trying That's to find funny. the exact quote. I can't see it right here, but the, the, the paraphrase is, is entirely accurate. They said that it's just too boring. You know, there we go. It's backers say the measure is needed to combat an epidemic of boredom and depression on farms. Ever since Ireland imposed new tough blood alcohol limits, on drivers in 2011 because they can't drive drunk anymore. They are depressed and they are bored because that was their one outlet. And I can better get down away. six pints before they're trying to pull me over. <laughs> I, was, I don't know. I don't know why. And I want some lucky charms with that. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. Max and horrible. Man. They're magically delicious. <sighs> they're magically, magically litigious. I'm sure. So I think that should be the new, um, tourism board slogan. Ireland. Too boring to stay sober. I love um, this other <laughs> quote from the justice minister who shot down the proposal says, there's no question of this government or indeed, I don't believe any future government facilitating individuals drinking in excess of the blood alcohol limits. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's the purpose of the government <laughs> to say, sure, you can go out and get plastered and drive. Nice try boys, but it ain't happening. Go home and sleep it off. Uh, but in New Zealand, there's an interest, another interesting law. In Wellington, New Zealand, a fellow by the name of Gareth Morgan has a dream. His dream is a New Zealand free of cats because the cats threaten native birds. So the environmental advocate um, is trying to um, pass a law. He's, right now, he's trying to just make it uh, something that people do voluntarily, but with the intent, all options are on the table at this point. The intent of making a law that says, when your current cat dies, we're not saying you should euthanize your cat. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're not saying that you should euthanize your cat. But when they die of natural causes in a gas chamber piled up in a in a in a mass, uh, then you should just not get any more pet cats because the pet cats are endangering 
the natural bird wildlife there in Georgia. Apparently, the feral cats don't like birds. It's only the pet cats who like birds. Okay, Mark, I need to clarify since this, we, you know, we're judged based on our accuracy of reporting. You said Georgia when you meant New Zealand. Oh, did I say Georgia? Yes, you did. And then you also said apparently the feral cats like birds. No, I said don't like birds. Apparently, don't like birds. Right. And then you said, but domestic cats don't like birds. You said no, the same okay. thing exactly twice. Which one Sorry. did you mean? I had Georgia on my mind, apparently. You did. Yeah. Thank you, Will. Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> Georgia. So, so yeah. that, which one are you saying the feral cats don't have a problem with birds? No, my point cats, is that if everybody gets rid of all their pet cats, it ain't going to make any difference because they're not the only cats in New Zealand. And I would wager wow. that the cats who are doing the or eating Georgia. of the birds are yeah or or Georgia. The cats that are doing the eating of the birds are not the fluffy little uh, cats that eat fancy feast out of the can on the little crystal tray. Right. It's the feral cats that we would never get rid of. They would never get rid of. I'm not going to lump myself in with New Zealanders. I've uh-huh. never walked a mile in there, but where of choice. And the science remains unclear because some argue that cats help by eating rats who sometimes feed on bird eggs. My favorite quote, though, as always, is the last one. Scientist David Winter says, what hope is there for environmentalists in conversation where our side wants to take people's kittens away? <laughs> he says the uh, the uh, the mascot for the for his campaign is a fluffy little kitten with devil horns because that'll do it. I'll do you. <laughs> My friend, that is not going to rally people to your cause. That is going to create an internet meme. Right. <laughs> the internet <laughs> loves its cats. Um, says, quote, for thousands of years, New Zealand's native birds had no predators and flourished. Some of the species like the kiwi became flightless, but the arrival of mankind and its introduction of predators like cats, dogs, and rodents have wiped out some of the native bird species altogether and endangered many others. Imagine a New wow. Zealand teeming with native wildlife, penguins on the beach, kiwis roaming around in your garden. Imagine hearing the bird song in our cities. Followed by splat. <laughs> and then it'll be, the next article will be, uh, New Zealand importing cats to help with bird problems. Poop covered in statues. <laughs> so there is actually an issue that like that in, in Australia. I'm trying to remember what the the whole is. The whole uh, the lady swallowed the the bird to eat the fly to eat the cat who ate the spider thing. You remember that song? Yes, yes. And uh, it's they brought in some kind of frog because some of some kind of locust problem and the frog went crazy breeding and then they tried to bring in cats to get the frogs or something I mean, it's a it's one of those they keep they keep trying to reintroduce or introduce a non-indigenous species which I guess you can't introduce an indigenous species they keep trying to introduce species in an attempt to solve a problem that they've caused and then it just keeps escalating well, anybody who's been in the South, in uh, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, th- that area, uh, knows that kudzu is a, a non-invasive, non-indigenous plant that takes over everything. And it was in- introduced here. Somebody thought, you know, this might work really well to prevent soil erosion. Turns out it really did. <laughs> it just also took over the place. But uh, back yeah, to so- New Zealand, in case you're worried about all the cats 
causing a mouse problem. He's also trying to raise a million dollars to eradicate rodents. So get rid of the cats first, then we'll raise money to get rid of the mice. I could do it for a lot less. I could do it for a, a $15 box of kittens. Then you wouldn't have any rodent problems anymore. It's the it's the cane toad. The cane toad. It's actually poisonous, and it was brought in to fight a beetle problem. Um, I'm trying to see when it was brought in. And uh, was introduced to Australia from Hawaii in 1935 by the Bureau of Sugar Experiment Stations in an attempt to control the native cane beetle. And then um, they released 102 toads in, out of captivity into the wild. And now the number's over 200 million. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Froggy <wow>. went according. <laughs> um, and it says not only have they caused all kinds of environmental detriment, but they've had no impact on the cane beetle that they were brought in to kill. <laughs> you know, sometimes all these stories. They have not reached critical mass. That's. Sometimes all of this activism really makes you stressed out. And a good way to uh, relieve stress, so I'm told, is by way of a sauna. And in San Andreas, California, um, of a man decided that uh, he liked the sauna in this particular house. Just turned out he didn't own the house. Uh, <laughs> uh, authorities in Northern California say a man was arrested wearing nothing but a trench coat and socks. Thank God he was wearing socks. Um after a break-in, uh, they arrested 49-year-old Robert London after they responded to a report of a burglary at a home in San Andreas. He pleaded guilty, excuse me, not guilty, today to charges of burglary and possession of stolen property. I want to know what the stolen property was, if he was naked. And where did he have it? It was I a trench coat and socks. I guess so. He stole the socks. Uh, homeowner said he stole the water he absorbed. <laughs> the water. That's right. He stole the steam. Uh, the homeowner said that he discovered London going through his kitchen cabinets and chased him out the door. <laughs> and then London told investigators he thought the house was vacant and he'd used the sauna there many times in the past. I added to many times because it's more oh. dramatic. <laughs> it's like, well, don't you people work? What are you doing home in the middle of the day? I'm trying to take a sauna here. Exactly. People are crazy. California people are crazy, but they're not as crazy as Florida people. You know, we've said on this show a few times recently that we just didn't have any show, uh, stories that were Florida worthy. You know, there's a there's a certain bar that has been raised on this show for Florida. Or lowered. <laughs> or, or lowered. Uh, a certain pit that has been dug. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this is a Florida worthy story. And to the... Uh, uh, the the person who sent this in, you, you're you got it. You understand what a Florida story should be about. The first sentence of the article says it all. Yes, from the Huffington Post. In Florida, there are violent people, naked people, poopers, and masturbators, but rarely is one man the total package. <laughs> when Tony so and Ladonna Land discovered a naked carnival worker Gregory Matthew Matthew Bruni. Now, he's got three names, so he must also be a, a, an attempted um, assassin. Presidential assassin or serial uh, killer. Uh, Georgia, uh, Gregory Matthew Bruni on the roof. The night had just begun. The 21-year-old Bruni allegedly assaulted Tony Land, trashed the couple's North Fort Myers home, defecated, and masturbated inside the house. He's a triple threat, people. 
He was the land told the police they were in their bedroom around 7 p.m. Monday night when they heard a noise that sounded like thunder. Tony went outside and he saw Bruni on top of the roof completely naked. He allegedly jumped down off the roof and landed on, on land, appropriately, uh, knocked him over by hitting him in the shoulder. Um, he then ran into the house, pulled a big, big screen TV off the wall, spilled the contents of the vacuum onto the floor, random. Um, then around this time, Mrs. Land, LaDonna, grabbed a gun and began firing at the nude intruder. She missed. Uh, I don't... <laughs> She called 911. I don't know who the bleepy is. He's naked and he ran into my house, she could be heard saying on the recording, and told authorities that after shots were fired, Bruni began whacking the mole. These are not my words. I'm reading the Huffington Post here. Began whacking the mole in their living room before heading to their son's bedroom to rub some clothing on his face. When deputies arrived and attempted to control him, who they, they say he was wildly flailing around and speaking nonsensically, he defecated the f- on the, they discovered he defecated on the floor in two spe- uh, two spots and at some point during the ruckus he sucked up the contents of the vacuum and then spit it back out. So let's recap what this man is charged against. That's the crazy part. <laughs> he got naked and climbed onto the roof. He attacked a man by jumping on him while naked. Ran into the house, knocked down a TV, spilled the contents of the vacuum floor. Dodged bullets, <laughs> masturbated, rubbed clothes on his face, defecated and then drank the contents of the vacuum. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what a Florida story should, should be all about. It has it all. <laughs> In fact, I don't know. We may have to retire Florida after this <laughs> this show. We just after it just that's it. Florida has reached the pinnacle. We're going to retire their number. I mean, he sucks and he blows. That's all I got. <laughs> Seth, it's not often Seth is rendered speechless, despite his bandwidth impediment. Yeah, it's not that you just can't hear what I'm saying. It's just I have nothing to say. (laughs) Matthew Gregory Bruni, my hat, and the rest of my clothing, apparently, is off to you. Wow. That's it. That's all I got, people. I, how that's do you funny. follow that? You can't follow that. That's, got, that's the, the coup de grace, the grand finale. That's the, the, the big display of fireworks at the end. I got nothing else. Because um, really, how could I follow that? So, any other comments, words of wisdom? Nothing? That's it. I don't know, what you, I don't know what you do after that. So, after that story, that's, you can't go much further than that. What you do after that is you say, if you'd like to send us some stories, some comments, uh, some questions, some rude remarks in general, please no naked pictures of you drinking the contents of a vacuum, please. Um, You could do that by going to elementopi.com. There's a contact us button right at the top of the page that'll send, uh, pop up an email link. Uh, or a, a form that will send me an email. You could, uh, if you want to be on the the show in audible fashion, you can do that by calling five five nine I am OP or going to the top of the page. Uh, is that right? Five five nine I am OP. Yeah. Okay. I just blanked. Um, or use the the contact us widget or leave us a voicemail widget widget at the top of the page. Or there's always the forums where our good friend Jim Beeson is the only one who ever posts. So <laughs> those are the ways that you can contact us, or you can just keep silently downloading the show as so many of you do. 
Aaron, is there anything you'd like to plug? Try to redeem this show in some way, please. The American Cancer Society, cancer.org. Go there, donate some money, send me an email, tell me you did it. You'll get your name on a shirt and I'll send you one. What I'm saying is, people, I'm running a marathon, 26.2 miles. That's a long ways. I know because I'm on 14, that's not. That's only a little over halfway, and 14 was a long ways. And so I'm trying to get people to sponsor me so I can raise some money for the American Cancer Society while I'm running. So if you want to do that, if you want to find out more, onemealoneworkout.com. Thanks. Mr. Anderson, have you anything to say for yourself? I don't. Um, if you want to buy some goats, hit me up, and uh, we can <laughs> talk terms. <laughs> that that's the show title if you want to buy some goats it reminds me of that kid yeah. on sesame street Psst, hey kid would you like to buy a goat <laughs> pulls his trench coat open ah that that's where we gotta end it folks thanks for listening and uh, go purchase the goats 